Hi, I'm Kristen Hodgden, an IVF mom, current IVF patient, and co-founder of Rescripted. And I'm Dr. Ali Domar, a 34-year fertility industry veteran, psychologist, and expert in the mind-body relationship between stress and infertility. Welcome to Dear Infertility, the first ever podcast that doubles as an advice column for those dealing with the daily stressors related to infertility and pregnancy loss. We're here to answer your real life questions related to the mental and emotional toll of infertility while providing research-backed tactics and strategies for overcoming these dilemmas. Now let's dive in and help you find calm on this stressful journey. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Dear Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen, and I'm here with Dr. Ali Domar. Hi, Ali. Hey, Kristen, how you doing? I'm doing well. So today we're going to talk about whether or not to tell your friends and family about infertility. Our community members wrote in with a ton of questions on this topic, and I think everyone sort of has a different approach to this depending on how comfortable they feel sharing. So, you know, just to jump right in, someone asked, how do I bring up my infertility journey with my family? Well, I'd say if you want to share your infertility journey with your family, I mean, I think that that there's no obligation And I think, you know, before one considers telling anybody, one needs to take a step back and decide if you want to share that information. And you may want to be selective who you share information with. I mean, for example, I've had patients who come from extremely Catholic families and the Catholic church does not approve of IVF. And so my patients have had to pick and choose who in the family to tell depending on their degree of Catholicism. So she ended up telling her parents who she knew would be supportive and loving and actually helped her out financially, but they all agreed she couldn't tell her aunt and uncle and because her aunt and uncle and cousins were deeply religious and they would not be okay with my patient doing IVF. So I think you need to sort of think about who the person is and and what their background or belief system is. But, you know, as I've said before, I I think it's a good thing sometimes. I mean, there's an expression, an Asian expression that a burden shared is halved. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you're going through infertility, sometimes talking to somebody else about it, friends or family can be really helpful for you, depending on who the person or people are that you're telling. And, you know, if it's family members or if it's close friends, you know, be aware of what kind of person they are and share the information with people that you anticipate can be there for you and can support you and can listen to you and can hug you and can help you. And don't share this information with people who you perceive will be judgmental or critical or say things that make you uncomfortable. Yeah. I always had a hard time with, because I'm such a social outgoing person or I was before infertility and COVID, but you know, I always had trouble with the people that I didn't want to tell canceling plans or backing out of things or just stepping away from the friendship or, you know, I felt like I almost had to explain my actions, but then I didn't want to tell them what I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips for, for those, you know, situations? Well, you know, I'd say other than religious beliefs, if you have a friend who you're avoiding telling, I guess I would wonder what kind of friendship is it? Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, my husband and I sort of, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but we, we sort of think of our friends as our foxhole friends and our party friends. 
So the Foxhall friends are the ones that you could call at two in the morning and they'll be there for you. Like they're the ones you, you talk to when you're in crisis and they're, they're there for you. And presumably you're there for them. And then you have your party friends who are like so much fun to hang with and you love doing stuff with them and you may want to go on vacation with them, but they just sort of can't handle anything deep. And so you probably wouldn't share stuff with them because that's just not the kind of friendship you have. So I'm not saying they would be awful, negative, terrible, but that's just you're there to have fun with them. And that's just where they want to be. So mm-hmm. I, I'd say perhaps think of your friends and family in that way, and maybe consider sharing this with your Foxhole friends. I mean, you share information like this, which is painful and personal, if you expect to get some kind of either neutral or positive reaction out of them. I would not share this with people who, you know, I have a lot of patients who don't want their mothers-in-law to know especially if it's female factor infertility, because they don't want that kind of conversation. They don't want that criticism. They don't want that burden. I mean, I'm going through this right now with a patient of mine whose father-in-law, I'm sorry, is just not a nice person and is harshly critical of her for some reason. And it's female factor infertility. She and her husband have agreed. They don't want him to know right? because it would give him one more thing to criticize her about. That's sad. Yeah. I, it's hard kind of someone actually wrote in with that issue. She's trying to convince her husband that his mother-in-law doesn't need an explanation. So his mother or his mother, his mother, mother, she, she said, how do I convince my husband that my mother-in-law doesn't need sort of an explanation for why we haven't given them a grandchild? You know, that's a tough one because if she's told her parents, he might feel it's unfair that her parents know and his parents don't. And and this comes up all the time because, you know, if a woman's close to her mom, then she's going to want to tell her mother everything that's going on. And, her, you know, because she expects that her mother knows her well enough to say and do the things that she needs to feel better. And she may not have that kind of relationship with her mother-in-law. And again, especially if it's female factor, she may not want her in-laws to know, you know, it's a tough situation because it feels kind of unfair for her if he tells them and she doesn't want them to know, but it kind of feels unfair to him that she's getting the support of her parents and he's not getting the support of his. Yeah, that's, that's very true. So I I think it's worth a conversation with the two of them. Mm -hmm. And maybe if he feels really strongly that his parents know, then he sort of talks to his parents about it with the agreement that they will not bring it up around her. That's like a a line in the sand. That's really good tip. What about how to respond when, and if your family or friend doesn't acknowledge your struggles or minimizes them? I would say, I would say when, not if, because I think a lot of people just don't acknowledge how hard infertility is. And people seem to think that infertility is this like spoiled rich people thing. You know, it's, you know, there are going to be people that just don't acknowledge it. And ironically, sometimes those end up being the people who themselves are going through infertility and didn't want to tell anybody. Interesting. Yeah. So, because if they if to, if they acknowledge that you're going through fertility, then they have to sort of confront the fact that they are too. I mean, I think, you know, this is, I know this is going to sound harsh and I don't mean it to sound harsh, but I think sometimes having a crisis such as infertility sometimes can show you who your true friends and family are. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I remember years ago, one of my closest friends had a really significant health crisis and I remember going to visit her in the hospital and she said to me, it was so interesting to see how some people just were there for her and a lot of people disappeared. I'm like, yeah, sometimes, I mean, obviously some people are not comfortable going to a hospital, but they could send flowers. They could send, 
proved they could do something. And, and again, if you're in a crisis and some friends aren't there, maybe those are your party friends. Maybe they can't handle anything personal or medical or, you know, infertility, which has all the sort of sex, you know, and, and maybe you just sort of say, yeah, they're fun at parties, but they're not somebody I feel close to or feel that I can confide in. Yeah. Yeah. It does teach you who your true friends are in some cases, you know, maybe there's a falling out or someone doesn't support you as well as you thought they should have, or just isn't there for you. But in other cases, sometimes it teaches you to like which friendships you value most. And I think talking about like the mental load and juggling everything, you know, there are some friends like B or C friends that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's just really hard to keep up with everyone. Like at the end of the day, and if you're thinking of texting two or three people are calling one friend, maybe those people don't come to the top of your mind. And and then like over time, that friendship fizzles out. I mean, I think that's okay too. I I think it is. I mean, you know, I I said this, I said to myself all the time, I said to my patients that just because someone was your best friend in third grade doesn't need to be your best friend when you're 33. Yeah, You know, people change a lot over time. And I I think it can be a little dicey. I think also those of us who are immersed in the world, like I remember a friend years ago saying she got pregnant. My response was how? Because in my world, was it IUI? Was it IVF? Was it PDT? And she's like, we had sex. I'm like, oh, wow. You sort of forget because (laughs) here's, but I think we also don't realize that some people just don't get it and they don't know what to say. And I I'm haunted early in my career around the time I just started to see infertility patients. One of my best friends had been married for like three or four years. And they, and I remember that we we were like in our late twenties and I remember saying to them, so, you know, when are you going to make me an auntie? And I would never say that now, but I didn't know anything about infertility in those days and people Mm -hmm. say stuff. And so you might have fertile friends or two fertile friends who don't know what to say and don't know that the things they're saying are insensitive. So you have a number of choices, one of which is to educate them. And that's, you know, in the Ferticom map, when we have these scripts of like, we have like 50 situations of people saying stupid things to you. And you have in the app, you have two responses. You either can be polite. Oh, you know, thank you for telling me. Or you can educate them. Now we used to have what we called a zinger which I'm hoping we can put, which is sort of this rude zinging them back response, which we, we couldn't do when the app was sponsored by Farring, but now it's on the app store. So I want to put the zingers back. But if someone says something awful to you, you can either say, oh, oh, you know, thank you for your comment and walk away. Or you can choose to educate them yeah. and say, well, actually, you know, only, you know, about half of all infertility cases are caused by female factor, half by men. Or you can say, actually, age does also affect sperm or whatever it is, or you can do a zinger. I mean, if you think they're saying something kind of passive aggressively or whatever, you can zing them right back. No, that makes total sense. Someone actually asked, if I tell my friends and family about my infertility, do I have to give them constant updates? No, you do not need to give them constant updates. <laughs> I mean, there are a number of ways of going about it. You know, I, again, I remember telling patients, if you tell 35 people you're going through an IVF cycle, you're going to have 35 people texting you on your pregnancy test day. Yeah. And do you really want to tell 35 people, no, it didn't work. And so there are a number of things. You can appoint a fertility spokesperson 
It could be your best friend or your mom or your sister. And anybody who wants to know how you're doing can check in with them. Mm -hmm. Or you can, you know, create one of these. I know they have one for cancer patients called Caring Bridge. There are things like that. When someone's going through a medical crisis, you know, you can let in friends and family and you post how things are going. And if they want to know how you're doing, they go to that website. Yeah. No, that's a great idea. You can do like a closed Facebook group too. Okay. Thank you. Since I do not know the technology, <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, it's just, you, you can use social media to select and, and give people an update and then call the people or text the people or whatever the people, FaceTime the people that you do want to talk with. What about feeling like an emotional burden after, I remember so clearly feeling this way, like after a year of negative pregnancy tests, failed IUIs, my first IVF site transfer failed. I just felt like I was sick of talking about it and they were probably sick of hearing about it. So how do you kind of combat those negative thoughts? A good friend is never going to be sick of hearing about it. You know, if a friend starts saying, Hey, let's go to the movies, <laughs> that might be a hint that she here, there, <laughs> let's go to the movies. movies Cause then you can't I just talk. got that. That's a good one. <laughs> Um, you know, and yeah, I think that's true of any crisis. Like if you have a friend who's just not thriving on the dating scene and all she can talk about is these failed dates and have guys are jerks. You know what that's like to have somebody who's so focused on what's missing in their life. That's all they can talk about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can either say to yourself, okay, it's my turn. And, you know, I sat through, 18 failed relationships with this friend and, you know, she owes me, or you can sort of spread it out a little bit, you know, other, other people that you feel comfortable confiding in, or honestly join rescripted and vent to other people. I mean, there's, if you're feeling that people in your world aren't getting it, which is going to be most people, because most of them haven't gone through infertility, then do something like rescripted where you, I mean, you know, I look at some of the chats and it's just amazing. And this is why people, you know, why we were pushing mind, body, infertility, as groups, because there's such power in talking about the things that are going on in your life that everyone else go, oh yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And people who get pregnant by like having sex half of one time, they aren't going to get it. And they're going to try to be supportive and they're still not going to get it. And they're going to say things or do things that seem insensitive or cruel. And it's just because they haven't been through the experience. And so seek out people who have. Yes. Join our community. It's completely free. Well, thank you, Allie. This was fantastic. And until next time, everyone. Bye. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Dear Infertility. We hope it helps you find calm during this incredibly stressful time. Whatever you're currently struggling with, Rescripted is here to hold your hand every step of the way. If you liked today's episode and want to stay up to date on our podcast, don't forget to click subscribe. To find this episode, show notes, resources, and more, head to rescripted.com and be sure to join our free fertility support community while you're there.